Welcome to Quantitative Health with your host, Paul Kilgore. Good day, everyone, and I'm so glad to be back here with you now. And I am Dr. Paul Kilgore, and we're here with you from Quantitative Health. And today, what I'd really like to talk to you about is this question of how do we measure stress? So in recent discussions, we've talked about what stress is, what stress looks like and feels like, and some things that we can do with stress. But before we figure out the best approach to dealing with stress, we have to figure out ways to measure it better. And if I could tell you of one laboratory test or one very simple way to measure stress, I would definitely get that to you. And in future discussions, I'm going to detail some ways that we can measure physiologic function that are indicators of stress in our bodies, in our minds. But for today, what I'd like to talk to you about is a concept of creating a stress measure inventory. The inventory is really going to be a tabulation of ways in which stress is manifesting in our own lives. And what does that look like? What does that feel like? on a regular basis, even from one day to the next. Looking at how we have stress experiences from one day to the next, even from one week to another, or one month to the next month, is very important because when we look at these measures, we then pe can begin to look at trends over time. And when we think about research and analyzing our own stress, we can actually get a really good sense of what's happening with stress when we look at trends over time. So, what would we look at if we're talking about measures of stress? So, we can, of course, quantify and measure our rate of breathing. So, we call that respiratory rate. We can also measure things like heart rate. But there also are more subjective or more uh, suggested indicators that really tell us when we're not feeling so good or what our body is experiencing as well. And for me, it's very important to always be mindful of what these changes are that our body is actually communicating to us. And I know for me and for many other people, it's very challenging to be able to tell exactly um, what I'm feeling from one moment to the next. So today, what I'm going to propose to you is that we create our own stress measures inventory. And I will uh, send this out to you, uh, the inventory which you can use to measure your own stress. And then we can work together to figure out how this looks uh, over time. So we'll look at from one day to the next, from one week to the next. And when we come back in future casts, we'll talk exactly about what this looks like. Okay? All right. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Quantitative Health. This is our second topic related to measurement of stress. So we're going to talk a little bit now about how we actually look at stress, what stress looks like, and how we can take a good inventory of what stress is doing in our own lives. So, for example, 
that there are lots of different causes of stress. When we think about causes of stress in our lives, uh, certain things come to mind immediately. Things like money and debt, our work, especially if it's a job that we don't enjoy, a divorce or a relationship problem or dissolution or ending of a relationship. Another is caregiving. If you're a caregiver for an older adult or even a child or perhaps someone who's disabled, this can be an immense stress in your life and that can lead to a situation of really chronic ongoing stress. Of course, in our own homes or our living space or workspace, if we're surrounded by clutter, that can be a source of stress as well and there are certainly ways we can talk about dealing with that. And then finally, if we're trying to do too much every day or week to week or month to month, we're taking on too many jobs, too many responsibilities, that itself can be an enormous stressor. So when we have all of these combined, then it creates a tremendous state of ongoing stress. And so certainly we want to find ways to measure this and inventory of where we are in our lives so we can actually figure out ways that we can then implement to reduce our stress. But certainly we want to be able to measure that first and certainly one way to do it would be to take a look at our physiologic responses, our, our signs of stress in our own body. So when do we feel nervous? When are we feeling anxious? When do we have palms or feet or other uh, body that parts that are sweaty and clammy? Um, when are we not sleeping? How much are we sleeping every night? When do we feel depressed? When are we more on edge? And when are we feeling restless? During different parts of the day, we can actually monitor this and measure this and take an inventory. And just by creating inventory, we'll know where we are in terms of the level of stress and how long it's going on. And, you know, sometimes there are uh, situations where stress can be a good thing. And sometimes it can be beneficial. But when we have ongoing situations where there's stress in our lives that's not going away and where we're seeing persistent effects on our health, our physiology, changes in our, uh, in our thinking, that can lead to major challenges down the road, and especially if it becomes a chronic situation. So we know that there are going to be special situations that affect our stress tolerance. And there's things like our outlook in life, whether or not uh, we feel under control, whether or not we feel knowledgeable or our preparedness for certain things. Um, do we have inf uh, the information we think we need to deal with a particular situation? Having a lot of unknowns around a situation can lead to uncertainty and that can lead to a lot of stress, of course. Also, ability to handle our emotions, coping mechanisms that we use day in and day out for interacting with people can be very, very important. And if we're not able to adapt or deal with certain emotions that we experience, then that can lead to stress as well. Of course, having a strong support system is going to be very, very important. That support system keeps us grounded in reality, keeps us sane, and helps us understand 
another perspective, helps us bring new perspective to our own situation rather than us just looking at our own situation and problems that we have. There are groups that I want to talk about in future discussions that we have in quantitative health that will have specific measures and ways that we can inventory for them that are very unique and tailored. And I'll just few of these groups now. So older folks, anyone who may be considered elderly, could be parents, grandparents, are likely to experience stress in a certain way. And as we get older, our ability to handle stress changes. There are certain ways that we can measure that in older adults. And if you're a caregiver for one, for example, or a relative of an older adult, then there are ways that you can actually, uh, methods you can implement to reduce stress for them. People living in cities, the city lifestyle is of course different from living in a rural. Living in a city can be very stressful depending on where you are, what your job is, and your living situation, and your socioeconomic situation as well. Women, specifically working mothers, can be under enormous stress where they're trying to do many, many things at the same time, uh, maintaining the job, all the activities that those entail are very important. That's very important because it's almost like working multiple jobs. Multiple jobs. Anyone who is widowed or divorced will have certain experiences and stresses in their lives that other people, other groups may not have. So this is a very important group as well. Anyone who's financially strained, anyone who's under uh, threat of losing a job would be certainly under enormous stress. Anyone not having health insurance would be under uh, many times a lot of stress and realizing that if they get sick or if they are sick, how they would actually pay for the health care that they need. E extremely stressful situation. Of course, lonely and isolated people would be very, very vulnerable to stress. Anyone who's a victim of sexual domestic abuse, survivors of accidents or survivors of crime would certainly experience a lot of stress and, of course, are at risk for PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And we'll talk about that going forward as well. And then finally, anyone who's been a victim of bullying or sexual racial prejudice is going to be vulnerable to stress. We'll have more stress than other groups. And this is especially important in our day and age where we know this has been very, very important topic and something that we need to think about very carefully as we go forward to measure and inventory our stress. So I'm going to move forward and I'm going to stop now, but we'll come back to this topic because it's so important. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.